Welcome to the Eye on Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. I don't think I've ever been up in this office. I'm in the corner office. That must mean I'm with a big shot here. I am sitting here with Dr. Mark Bedell, who is the superintendent of Anne Arundel County Public Schools, and I thank you very much for inviting me into your office. How are you doing today? John, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for coming today, and I'm looking forward to well, this discussion. You, you're here about six months. Have you had a chance to breathe yet? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. 16 listening and learning tours. It's it's been a grind so far. You threw a shoulder surgery in there too somewhere, didn't you? I did. Yes, <laughs> rotator cuff so- shoulder surgery on October 14th. So I'm still rehabbing that and going through physical therapy. Well, what what do, you, what do you think about your six months? I am learning a lot about the dynamics of of our community. It's a pretty sizable school district, the 36th or 37th largest in the United States. And what I also have learned about this school district is the variety of communities that we serve. You get a little bit of everything, rural, suburban, and urban. And so your your response to trying to meet the needs of all of these unique dynamics is going to be a lot more different and a lot more strategic than what I was dealing with in Kansas City. Well, yeah, yeah I guess you had one sort of core audience, if you will. If you will know, I mean, we do know your background. I mean, you, you know, the news followed you before you even came here as far as what you did at Kansas City and how you turned that school system around in six years there. Um, but what I found interesting, I've been to a number of, you know, events that you've spoken at. And I know uh, at Anne Arundel Community College, you did something with uh, Leadership Anne Arundel back in October, I think it was. And what many people may not know is that not only are you talking the talk, you're, you've walked the walk at this point. And I mean, can you, you know, outside of your education, can you give us a little bit of background about where you you came from? Because I think it really does affect how you deal with the audience, with the students, with your customers, if you will, here in Anne Arundel County Public Schools. My story is a very interesting one. I think it has connected with a lot of communities that I, when I started this job, that I wouldn't think would be on board with me. But I think there's there's an appreciation for the blue collar journey. Even though I'm in a white collar position right now, my journey was 100% blue collar. And I did what I had to do to survive uh, growing up, whether it was begging for money uh, or getting up on Saturday and Sundays, collecting cans and Tahitian treat bottles that were worth 10 cent just so we can eat. Uh, I grew up in Rochester, New York, and I unfortunately am the only one out of eight of us to make it past the ninth grade in my family. I grew up as a ward of the state of New York, meaning that our family was split up and we all lived with different people for a period of time and eventually became a homeless student in the ninth grade uh, after I had moved back in with my mother and it didn't work out. And so for the most part, matriculating through high school for me was sleeping on the couch of a studio that I lived in with my grandmother. And uh, living with somebody who really didn't have a lot of control over my life because grandma was tired. So for me, 
it was the extracurricular activities that were available inside of the schoolhouse, along with some positive teachers that really allowed for me to be able to matriculate through and then most importantly, having good adults come into my life at times when I needed them. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing that, I mean, you've gone from you know, disparity and, you know, God knows where you were going to end up. Uh, to where to where the leadership that you are right now, and I mean, you've seen this all the way through your career. I mean, you've been an educator all your life, right? And you've done teaching, uh, we'll say administrating, and now you're doing sort of executive kind of <laughs> kind of work. So you've 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 seen this, and the neat thing is that you've been able to you know experience that as a person, all the different levels of I don't want like the word affluence, but I mean, you know, you you know, you are not living on a couch here. You are not. Turning in the in the recycling bottles for for a dime to figure out what to eat, but you know where that came from. I mean, so you've got the roots. But we do have students here in Anne Arundel County that are doing that. I mean, you mentioned that you were a, a homeless student, and until about probably about seven years ago, I had no, you know, just my ignorance. I had no clue that that was a thing. It's a thing, and it's real. And when you are dealing with a lot of uncertainty as to where you're going to sleep from night to night, it becomes an impediment to you really being able to reach your full academic potential because all of those basic needs, and we talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those basic needs aren't being met. You don't have food. You don't have clothing. You don't have warmth and heat. You don't have a, a place where you truly can say this is where I there's a true sense of belonging for me. Because even when you're living with other people, there's never this settlement of this is where I really belong. Because it's, it, you're still not under the roof with your mother and father. Right? And that's something that a lot of us who have gone through the things that I've gone through have aspired to to want to know what that feels like. But yet this, I want to say on Friday, I had an opportunity or either Thursday to do an assembly at Annapolis High School. And my story connected with so many of the kids in there. People were coming to me afterwards saying, you couldn't hear a pin drop in there. Because I told the students, I said, I promise you, give me 10 minutes. Just give me 10 minutes of your time. There will be something that each and every single one of you will take away from my story. And those kids, full auditorium, listen attentively, I think it gave kids who may already be facing similar obstacles hope. And that's the thing that I did in Kansas City. I just tried to instill hope. Hope can take you to places that you never, ever thought you could get to. Because hope then helps build a level of self-efficacy. It creates this level of belief. And eventually you begin to get wins as a result of operating through a high degree of hope. You know, it's funny. You you talk about hope and about uh, the opportunity that comes there. And I'm, I'm on the ISCT board at Annapolis High, and I don't know what the acronym stands for, but I love being, <laughs> being on it. There's too many acronyms in my world. Um, and we did a networking breakfast with the students one time, and it was just, you know, introduce each other, how da 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 And I was talking to several of them. I said, you know, there's very few people in the world that will not help you if you ask for it. Don't ever be afraid, and it doesn't matter whether, you know, okay, you're, you're, you're leading 88,000 students here. You put your pants on the same way I did. And, you know, if you have the time, if it's not, you know, putting you totally out, you're going to give me, you know, hey, do you happen to know somebody that works in 
you know, the print shop here at the school. Well, yeah, let me get that name for you. That's no big deal for you. But a lot of the students didn't understand that. And then when they're sitting there realizing that, yeah, you can call me and say, hey, do you know so-and-so? Uh, can you introduce me to so-and-so? And it was really starting to click, and it was really great to see that. Because um, Anne Arundel County Public Schools have all of the tools. Uh, I don't know that they're necessarily going to walk everybody and handhold them through the situation, but the tools are here. Whether you've got learning disabilities, whether you've got the social um, social disabilities is not the right word, but what your social yeah. life is. You know, if you've got a bad home life, there are tools, there are people, there are caring people here that have said, that's enough. We want to help you. All I am trying to do is create a barrier-free learning environment for these children. And helping our students understand that everybody's dealt a hand in life. Some of us, the hand already came complete. But for some of us, it was one of the ugliest hands you could possibly be dealt. And what I said in Annapolis to the students is, you heard my story. I was one of those kids that was dealt a very, very nasty hand in life. But I also took advantage of my educational opportunities. Even though I made mistakes on my journey, I took advantage of education. And what I tell these students is, what I've told them is, education is the pathway to economic prosperity. Here's what you will not get from me as a superintendent. You don't get to use your circumstances of you being dealt a bad hand in life as to why you can't put forth a strong effort to work hard to get out of the situation that you're in. And I'm not going to skate you. I'm not going to allow you to skate. I'm not going to push you through because what you will not say about Mark Bedell 10 years from now is we had a superintendent that just allowed us to make it through and I'm and I and I didn't get what I needed. And I'm more damaged as a result of not being pushed. So what I said to them, I'm not interested in sympathizing you to death. Rather, I will empathize with you, but I'm going to hold you accountable for what you need to do to get out of your situation. It seems like the recipe for a outstanding school district. I mean, it's and, and it doesn't matter whether it is the 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 wealthy kid living down in Bay Ridge right on the waterfront or you know, somebody that's down in, you know, one of the public housing communities, you know, whether it not be in Severn or up in, you know, Glen Burnie or down in Annapolis. Listen, I've said this, John, we have to do a better job for all of our students. If you want to go from good to great, your low achievers, your average achievers, your high achievers have to be pushed. And I'm calling everybody to the carpet on it. Like, where's the value add even for our high achieving kids who don't need an intelligent adult in front of them to pass the state assessment, right? So we got kids, we got schools that are rated eight and nine on our grade school reports, but then we only pumping out a handful of kids for national merit scholars. You know, our advanced placement scores aren't where they need to be in comparison to some of the other districts that have similar student demographics. That's where the value add comes in. And I think any parent would want that, regardless of how your kids show up, how are we, how are we really truly focusing in an intentional way to grow every single one of these students to in order to make Anne Arundel County number one. That's the goal for me. I'm, I'm not interested in being good. I'm interested in being great, just like you said. I, I totally, totally get you. I mean, we are number, and let's, I want to get into the weeds a little bit here, Bing. Mm -hmm. You come out right and you said our salaries are, are embarrassing. Uh, pretty close to that. 
I may be putting words in your mouth. No, but you're I, not. Um, but I know that you have also submitted a budget to the county council, um, which really does something on that. And to make our to make the school district great, to make our children great that are coming out of this, okay? And that's what we all want, is the budget, if it's accepted and approved by the county council, is that, do you think, is that going to be enough to retain and attract some of the better teachers that we that we risk losing or risk having passed by us? It's a start. The thing that okay. I have been hearing from a number of people is I was ready to leave. I was ready to retire. Uh, to hear the position that you're taking on wanting to close the compensation gaps uh, gives me some hope. When we were doing the listening and learning tours, I had a teacher who actually lives in Anne Arundel. Her children are in Anne Arundel, but she drives over to PG County to teach and she slid a piece of paper to me when we were talking about the salaries and she said I would love to have an opportunity to come here and work with you but this is what my the difference in my salary would be if I came here a $19,000 difference so you can't compete with some of these other school districts when you are ranked 20 out of 24 in teacher salary beginning when you're ranked 15 out of 24 in average teacher salary yet you are considered the third wealthiest county in the state of Maryland which is the 11th richest state in the country it doesn't so it, it and I tell people this it costs money to be great it just does you have to pay if you want to keep good talent around because we're in a profession where a lot of people simply are not choosing education as a major anymore. And we are down 600,000 teachers from where we were two years ago as a country. So they, these, these, these positions are at a premium right now in the school districts that are willing to create the learning environments and the salaries and all of those things that come with a comprehensive package that's going to make teachers feel like they're, they're valued and, and wanted, those are the districts that are going to win in this highly competitive game right now. And that's the ones that have won so far in Maryland. That's correct. Hopefully, that'll get better. I, um, I anticipate that it will. Well, you get the big bump right now, and you've got the uh, maintenance effort. Yes. That, that, will, that will help 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 as the years go down there. How broken are we? I don't know that we're broken. If we were broken as a system... I probably would be doing a much more comprehensive reorg than what I'm doing right now. Broken is what I walked into in Kansas City. It was on the verge of, of getting better, but when we brought auditors in and we took a look at a lot of things in Kansas City, we truly, there were many systems that just weren't simply in place. And we have a lot of systems in place here in Anne Arundel County. Where I would say that we have improvement is how we are servicing our unique student groups. I'm not certain that we're doing to the greatest, uh, a, a great job around how we're servicing special education students, how we're servicing free and reduced lunch students, how we're servicing gifted and talented. So I believe an audit will allow for us to receive important information that will result in us making some significant changes to what those experiences will look like from a curricular standpoint. And, and honestly, um, I, I've, I've said this to people, we're not in a hole in this school district. We're, that's why we're not broken. We're not in a hole. Uh, we, we just have some things that we need to 
fix cracks in and change the structure a little bit. And so even with my reorg, it's research based around how I propose how we're going to look at reorging central office to better support our schools. You know, it's really refreshing to me as, as I hear you speak, you know, around town and, and as we are right now that um, your focus is so laser on the children. Pardon the language, we can go through all the bullshit with the buses, okay, which it's a problem. But you know what? There's a lot more problems that we need to deal with uh, other, other than, I mean, it is a problem, but we do need to deal with it. But your laser focus on the kids is, is very evident to me. And uh, I think that's exactly what any school district would need. I, I know what the power of an education can do for you. Just as you've said, I'm not having to go out in on Saturday and Sundays collecting cans to eat anymore. And things don't have to be the way that they are for a lot of our kids. And a lot of our kids who have no control and no power over some of the circumstances that they're, they're in right now. But if we as adults focus on understanding the plight that some of these kids are showing up with and and honestly not be punitive in how we see these children because of how they show up, but rather trying to become bigger allies and understanding why they show up the way that they do, but accepting them for the way that they show up. It can, it, it can be an absolute game changer. And what is important to me is that you don't have to have lived through the conditions of what I'm going through or even a high achieving kid is going through where there's so much pressure on how many AP classes you take that kids become suicidal in nature because of that pressure of, of having to be so great. But the educators who know how to get in and have those conversations with parents, have those conversations with students and really help bring a sense of balance uh, to the to, to, to that child's journey. Those are the ones that that really ultimately create winners for life. It could be the same thing that happened to me when I was in the second grade where somebody basically almost killed me in terms of destroying hope. A second grade teacher told me I was dumb, ugly, and would never amount to anything, and I dropped out of school in the second grade. I hope you sent her a Christmas card last year. Uh, listen, I don't even know. I don't even. I don't even know if that lady's alive still. But, but the teacher who told me that I was academically talented and was throwing it all away—that's the teacher who names I meant, who, whose name I mention when I'm speaking in front of audiences of of, of hundreds to thousands of people, because. That teacher didn't live through anything that I lived through. Neither did that teacher look anything like me, but that teacher heart was in the right place. You know, I can rattle off half a dozen teachers uh, as being a 61-year-old guy, half a dozen teachers from elementary, middle, and high school and college, long time ago, that made an impact on me. And my kid, all three of my kids can do that too, as well as teachers that come through Anne Arundel County, which, I mean, you don't realize what an impact the teachers do make. But it's not, you know, and the, the long-time problem has been parents like, well, I'm going to send them to school and school's going to teach them what they need to know. Um, yeah, to a degree. They'll the book things and, and certain things, but you can't let a school raise a child. I agree. And I've always been a proponent of saying that if a lot of the social issues that we have, and you know, whether that be the fights and the gangs and, you know, the inner neighborhood 
warring that we have going on here sometimes could be resolved with a parent, a guardian, a friend, a mentor, just taking just a little tiny bit more interest in that student. Not a whole lot. I mean, I don't need to be hanging out with a kid, you know, four hours, which I mean, you know, you've got stare and you've got, you know, you've got all, you know, seats for success and everything else that are wonderful programs. But just to have, I mean, it's so powerful to a kid, to an adult, to a person, to a human, to have somebody say, you know, I care about you. You might think I'm a pain in the neck, but I care about you. I have said in a number of uh, community meetings this year, we have become so cold-hearted and so callous to some of the atrocities that people are facing in parts of our community. And what we need more of is compassion and love. Compassion and love. And also people being able to say that I'm here. My job is to make sure that I help you create a a can-do mentality. So in my budget, I have allocated for at least two FTEs, full-time equivalency positions, to begin to build out a portfolio mentoring program for Anne Arundel County Public Schools, where we can now, in a very organized and an intentional way, connect kids who need positive adult advocates in their lives to help them matriculate through their schooling in our school district. So if this budget is approved, then we will build out this portfolio mentoring model over the next year and have that ready to launch July 1 of 2024 when we launch our new strategic plan. Right. One of the things I had heard at one of my ICST meetings uh, at Annapolis High, and I mean, we can say that our Hispanic population is, is, is blossoming here in Anne Arundel County. It is. And I mean, I think we're... Uh, I, I, I think it's like 20, with Naples, I think it's like 20 some odd percent. I think the countywide is a little bit 15 or something like that, but it's blossoming there. And I've heard that, and, and I think it's an anecdotal statistic, but it was that 60% of the Latino students' parents have never set foot in the school. And it can be for any number of reasons. It can be a language barrier. It can be a documentation barrier. You know, the, that's the government. Uh, you know, uh, am I going to get deported and, and everything else? Which is not certainly is not the case in, in the schools. But how do you how do you address that? I mean, do you find that that is a legitimate concern that the parents aren't? Because there's so much that a parent can learn by coming into the school, and that will sort of lead into our discussion about uh, your new program with the uh, Be Present. It is a legitimate concern. It's a le- legitimate concern because they don't see people representing them in some of our most critical positions. They don't see them in administration. They don't see themselves in teaching. So are we talking about diversity and teaching staff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the way up to even on my cabinet. Like, I literally made a phone call today to a superintendent and left a message and said, listen, if you have any names of, of bilingual candidates, we got it. We have our chief academic officer opening. We also have our chief operating officer opening, we have a chief of staff position open. Anybody that you think I need to reach out to to let them know about our openings, I need your help. I have now reached out to three different people trying to figure out how I could recruit 
a bilingual person to come and work in this school district to be on our cabinet or at least be on the executive level team because the, we, we want our kids to see that they too can be in positions like these. And, and I, so that sense of belonging is the piece that I talked about earlier that we're missing. We're missing in this county and we were missing it in Kansas City until I made a decision that we were going to start an international newcomer welcome center, which is now um, approaching its second year in existence there. So we, we, we're going to look at those kind of things. And if you look at my budget request, there are a lot of positions in there for bilingual employees. There are a number of positions in there where we are trying to beef up, um, you know, our bilingual personnel in this school district. This country is the worst as far as any kind of bilingualism. I mean, we're, we're horrible travelers. Whenever we go anywhere in the world, we expect everybody to speak English, and they do. You know, you, you, you know, it's, it's, that is so funny, but it's true. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm here in Spain. Why aren't you speaking English? Well, because I'm in Spain. You know, nobody. We, we don't get that as American travelers, and you know, I, I agree. We do need to meet people where they are, whether it be the language, be able to see people that are like them. Hopefully, that can you know as the Hispanic population does bloom and continue to bloom and flourish. Um, they've got to do it. I mean, you know, some of the most rewarding things I've done with the school, I mean, besides my kids have been out, has been with the ICST, the, the mock job interviews. Yes. And I mean, some of these kids are just brilliant. I mean, some kids come in and they, they here's my map. This is where I'm going. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know, and you can sit there and you can sort of guide a little bit and everything else. Uh, I, I'm trying to, who was, the, who was the guy that was arrested like in Romania recently? He's a, like a scammer guy. He was in the news. But there was one kid who, I, one of the questions I asked, I said, name somebody that you admire. Um, you know, it could be local. It could be somebody you've never met, you read about, whatever. It, you know, and just to get it. And, and he mentioned this guy. And I had no idea who it was. It was funny. And I Googled him later. And I realized that it was, I said, okay, I need to get back to him and let him know this is probably not the best role model for him. And he was arrested with his brother or something a couple weeks later. Um, but the the kids today, I think, you know, you, you hear the stories, oh, Annapolis High is so bad, or oh, South River is so bad, or oh, Mead is bad, or this is Savannah Park, you know, and, and it's not. It's not if, I mean, yes, there are bad apples. Okay, there are bad apples probably on this floor here in, in the headquarters of Anne Arundel County Public Schools. And as I'm looking at the traffic going by, you know there's bad apples going there. They're everywhere. But you know what? You peel that back a little bit and you're really going to see what's really blooming inside. My attitude is we create a situation where in some cases we, we have an open door policy. When I was a high school principal, which was interesting. My high school acronyms were BTW. Booker T. Washington High School was the high school. And then we had the High School for Engineering Professions, which was our magnet component. When I got the job and, you know, you go on to uh, search the web about what people are saying about your school, BTW was bum, bums, thugs, and winos is what people were basically referring to my school as. And... I came in and we made a lot of changes. I got to the point where I told people in the community as we were trying to recruit people to come to my school, I have an open door policy. Show up whenever you want to show up. As long as it's not on a day where we're doing district-wide testing, I want you to see that this is a place of learning. We're having school and we have nothing to hide. Once I did that, I think our enrollment jumped by 100 students within a year. And the school was thriving 
academically. That's how I ended up getting promoted in Houston. So uh, that's what I'm sharing with all of our principals here. Don't let people create a narrative of what's happening in your schools. If if you're running a, a tight ship and the expectations and the culture and climate is aligned with what you want to see happen for children, you should never, ever have any worries about people popping up on you to see what's going on in on your in, in your schools. That's the reason why I do a lot of unannounced visits. I want to see it in its authenticity, and I'm not interested in a dog and pony show when people come onto our schools. You could change the narrative by running a tight ship and allowing for and letting people know it's open. Come and see for yourself. Uh, that, that that ties right into the new program, the hashtag Be Present. Uh, as far as coming in here, and, and, and again, that dumps into the mentoring, mentorship, and seeing what I, I keep saying children, but I mean they're young adults and they are children. To seeing what what they can be, what what is, and I know that there's been several attempts on that. I know uh, Annapolis Alder woman Sheila Finlayson start you know tried it at one point in Annapolis Highways, having people in the community meet the buses. Good morning. How are you guys doing and everything else? Because, I mean, your staff is limited to be able to do that. And, and it was a wonderful thing. I don't think it, I think COVID obviously threw everything on us here. But to have parents and have adults in the schools is big. I remember somewhere in one of my kids transitioned from elementary into middle school. There was somebody that said, look, your kids are going to want to hate to see you and they're going to avoid you in the hallway and they're going to like cringe and look the other way. They won't acknowledge you. But deep down in the heart, they're going to be really glad that you're there. And they may never, ever tell you that. But I think that having adults in a visible place, the problem I see is how do you get them there? I mean, we are in a really weird world where we work, 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 work. You know, Warden June Cleaver are dead. We don't have, you know, some mom sitting at home waiting that has plenty of time to come into the school to do that. How does how is this going to work? Well, there are a number of people who are already interested in. We sent out our email today for people to sign up. I've spoken with probably three or four groups over the last week and a half that are saying to me, hey, Dr. Bedell, we're ready to go. Tell us what we can do. It doesn't require people to have to spend more than one hour a week helping us. People can work together with the building administration and sign up on shifts. So when I did this, when I was a high school principal in Houston, I reached out to my alumni and I said, listen, I'm having a lot of issues on my campus with, you know, blood and crips, which I didn't understand how you were a blood and crip in Houston, but that, <laughs> Wait, that, that's a whole nother podcast. And I said, I just need you all to be on my campus to just be visible. So we invited them in. There was some who would show up in the morning and help us during bus, uh, bus, bus duty, getting kids in. There were some who came during lunchtime. There were some who came after school. I had volunteers who would show up just to be present for athletic events. And then if I wanted to do things like overnight retreats where I wanted to have students get state test prep, but also have fun, my alumni showed up for all of that. And by having those adults on my campus, it just made a difference. And it was like the president of the Alumni Association came only one time each week. I knew I had a guarantee that she would be there on Thursday from 11 to 1. Her job was to help me with the cafeteria. And that's all. So you, so you would work with people 
based on their availability of their schedules. And for some people, it may be, hey, the only time I can help is if you need me to do some athletic events. Well, let's coordinate and work with the people who want to help us out. I told folks we need to work on, you know, trying to get some T-shirts done. Hashtag be present T-shirts. So everybody knows these people are people who are volunteering. There's a way that you onboard people properly because the reason why a lot of these initiatives die is because you have not done the proper onboarding. You have people over at Annapolis High School volunteering now. The kids don't know who they are. The staff don't know who they are. They, the, some of the administration don't know who they are. And I'm like, has there been an assembly to introduce you all to the students and to the faculty and staff to let them know you all are here and you're serving as volunteers, to, as alumni? So it's, we, we're going to build this out in a very intentional way where it will be sustained and people will feel like their time is really being utilized to create a, a warm and inviting school culture and climate. And that's going to be an um, additional sets of eyes for you it as well. Is, absolutely. Because we're training them that they're, they're not to be disciplinarians. We're going to order more radios so people can have the radio. But our kids... The kids need to understand we don't want you or we don't want any of our kids to be the next victim of a major school violence incident. I'm not interested in being on CNN and Fox News because of the the violence that has really increased across the country, in particular in our schools. So kids need to know these people are here to make sure that you have a safe learning environment. I don't need you. You don't need to be worrying about bullying. You don't need to be worried about being in fear because all of those things stifle your ability to learn. So a lot of it is in how we message things to our kids and to the community at large. I get it. I get it. You're looking to have the be present force. I don't know. what we're gonna, It seems like you should have something, but in, in all schools. Well, eventually. Right yeah. now, we're going to start small because... What we're already learning, the background checks are taking take longer than we anticipated. So we're already seeing where some of the bottlenecks are just in the, the five to seven schools that we want to start this off with. And then we'll gradually grow this out. I, I've done a lot of initiatives to learn that you don't want to be building an airplane while you're in the air. That and was, COVID. That was that. COVID. And I've done that. <laughs> and COVID was one of them, but also some of the things I did in Kansas City that, that probably should have been beta tested. So I've learned a lot of lessons around mistakes that I've, that I've made that I won't make now that I'm in Anne Arundel because of what I've learned in Kansas City. Right. Well, we also one thing to get in the weeds a little bit. We're looking at a redistricting of some schools. Okay. And the only thing that's guaranteed coming out of that is going to piss off some people <laughs> at the end. That's, Do you agree with that or not? Oh, uh, that's 100%. There's okay. going to be a lot of pain with this situation. Absolutely. What's your advice to parents or guardians as we move forward, knowing that it is going to be painful, I mean, to only, make it the best experience that we possibly can? The only advice that I can say to people is we have to think about the greater good of the school district in this process. And we, we have to realize that while this is going to create a lot of frustration, it's really a good problem to have because a lot of school districts are having to close schools right now. I was just on the call with Jackson, Mississippi Public Schools, speaking with that superintendent and his team around how they are going to have to repurpose schools that right now they're just mothballed or dormant in communities. Oh, when you say close, you mean like shut down, shut vacate, down. not not 
not take more people. Yeah, you, yeah, because their enrollment is declining. Wow. And you have a lot of that happening. We are fortunate that our enrollment is increasing when a lot of school districts are losing student enrollment right now. And so for us, it is very difficult for me to continue to go to the county and the state and ask for capital project money when we haven't balanced our system. So we, we, we have to do this because people, those, those asks are going to be denied when you haven't taken a deep look at your system and, 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 and really making sure that you address overcrowding in some of our schools that are sitting at 118, 120% capacity at this point. Uh, so yeah, it's not a fun situation to go through, but if I had to choose between the two of whether having to have community meetings because I'm having to close eight to 10 schools or having to redistrict because we're having growth, I, I'll take this option all day over the other. Parents keep involved, keep keep informed. Yes. And um, all right, well, I'll tell you, as we start to wrap it up, let's, um, you know, I remember back in the fall, I said, it was a leadership Anne Arundel uh, discussion where you had, and you said that one thing is you have to be never afraid to fail. You said, don't be afraid to fail. And um, what's your biggest failure? My biggest failure is the implementation of a student information system in Kansas City. It was an absolute nightmare. We, we, didn't, we didn't properly communicate that this was coming. We rolled it out going into summer school about three years ago and features in it weren't fully built out. So summer school was a debacle. Going into the school year, we hadn't properly trained people because for whatever reason, we, we, we figured minimum training, people would pick it up and it was a lot more complex than what we thought it would be. My IT team didn't handle it as well. We, I ended up losing my IT director in the midst of building it out. So we were, we were lost in that, from that standpoint. There's a lot of frustration with my school board behind the implementation and rollout of it. And what I learned from that is what I said to you earlier. Had we just taken time to beta test it in a couple of schools, we would not have made the mistakes that we made that caused a lot of headaches district wide, impacted transportation, it impacted everything. That was probably my biggest failure as a superintendent. And so I learned from it. And I and this is what I, I've said to people all around. Being a principal of an engineering high school in Houston, I learned that there's a lot of failures that happen in the process of, of trying to innovate and do things differently. But there's also in those failures a lot of lessons learned that you can grow from. And so that was an, an example of me learning what not to do in any major initiative that I want to launch now in Anne Arundel County, I have learned from that lesson. And I guess it needed to happen to prevent me from making those catastrophic mistakes now. Well, that's, that's something as you go through life. I mean, you know, mistakes are fine. Just learn from them as you, as you, as you move on there. You know, I talked about school board frustration. How's the school board frustration here? Well, for me, it's been great because I actually like all of my school board members, 
Um, I know people say, well, that's the political answer to say. Check my pedigree out from in Kansas City. I had no problem saying what I need to say. I don't I don't sugarcoat on these kind of matters because to be honest with everybody, I'm free as an employee. I'm free. I don't I don't I don't need this job to survive. I'm here because I really truly believe I can make a difference. I can make a difference working with this school board, working with this community, but I call it the way that I see it. And I think um if I didn't operate in that manner, this be present initiative wouldn't be something that we're doing. I put data out that is not pretty because I'm telling everybody I need help. So I have, in most cases, felt that I've had a lot of support from this school board. Um, there's some push and pull that happens, but I've worked with three different iterations of a school board in Kansas City, really four. There was a board that hired me and then the elections happened two months after before I even got there. And but I worked with three iterations of a school board in Kansas City. Boy, there's and, a challenge. And honestly, you could see the, the you could see it on the wall here. They threw a going away party for me. Most of those board members who still lived in Kansas City all came together uh, from the different eras to throw a going away party because I've worked well with all of them, even with ones that I may have not seen eye to eye on. Um, I worked well with even those people and some of those folks showed up to that going away event. So I didn't have enemies, um, but I, it's because I'm being honest with the board around, hey, these are things I feel like you all need to do better. I expect you to, they're gonna tell me, here's Bedell, here's the things that you need to do better. And we have that type of accountability and trust that we've already established. We've done two retreats already since I've started. And I think we have a third one coming up. So we're very intentional in how we're going to work together uh, to make sure that this school district goes from good to great. Right. When you left Kansas City, I saw an interview that you did and you said that, um, why are you leaving? You've done, you've done a great job for us. We love you. Uh, and you said you wanted to build your resume, and this was an option to, you know, to a different type of a school as opposed to an inner city school and, and more rural and everything else. And you said, uh, you know, if it would ever come down to be the U.S. Secretary of Education. Um, all right, let's say you get the call right now. Uh, Biden says, hey, Dr. Bedell, come on over. What's your legacy for AACPS? There will be no legacy because I haven't been here long enough to create one. And that would definitely be a conversation that I would have to have with this school board, my wife and everybody else. I mean, it may look good on Anne Arundel County. Hey, we had a superintendent for a short period of time and he's now secretary of education and he can have impact at a national level. But the truth is, it would be premature for me to accept that at this juncture. And I'm sitting here and I'll say to people, never say never. I mean, my aspirations has always been to, sh to, to shoot for the moon. And if you fall short of the moon, you've landed on stars and you still have left the place better off than it was before you touched it. That was always my attitude in Kansas City. That was my attitude when I played basketball. Be great, work hard, and if ever the opportunity allows itself, presents itself for me to play pro basketball, I got to chase my dream. I got invited to five NBA pro camps coming out of a Division Three college. But I put in a lot of work, and that same work ethic that I put in when I played basketball is the same work ethic that I put into my profession. I take my craft seriously. Um, I'm not about playing school. We're going to do school, and we're going to do it for real. 
And I want people that also have that same level of belief around what could be for this community and for the students in this community. So to answer your question, I mean, ultimately, if that opportunity presents itself and the timing is right, I would love that. But that's not that's not why I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work because I'm motivated to say to everybody, whatever you do, you should be shooting for the highest level of aspiration within that particular discipline. Everybody, even if everybody works that way, it, it could be phenomenal for the entities that we're all leading. Fair enough. Dr. Bell, thank you so much for your time today. I love the insight um, as a Reformed parent, ex-parent, I don't know <laughs> what the Reformed uh, parent. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I love what you're doing with the school. I think, uh, you know, each superintendent that we've had has left their mark, some even better than the others. Uh, as a outsider, if you will, at this point looking in, I'm very uh, encouraged by what the future holds. And six months later, certainly welcome to Anne Arundel County. Uh, I speak for many people that says uh, we're glad to have you here. Well, thank you all. I'm glad to be here. And I I look forward to um, this being home for my family and I. Whether I'm here two years or 10 years, my daughter will graduate out of this school district. We love this community. We love this county. And uh, we love this part of the country. I'm just blessed and fortunate to have an opportunity to come back this way and to have a, a school board that said, hey, we really want you here. We really like the work that you've done, uh, but I also want to be here. It was only two school districts that I had an interest in, Anne Arundel County and A-Leaf ISD outside of Houston. And this one came open first, and I'm fortunate to be here, so I don't take any of this for granted. I know that this can be taken away with the snap of a finger. So my job is to just get in here and if I continue to do what I've done in Kansas City, if I do half of what I've done in Kansas City, Anne Arundel is gonna be a much better school district as a result, building on those who came before me. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.